Welcome again to another episode of Global Conversations. This is Andre Darmanin at the at the helm, if you will. So today we are delving into the heart of human-centric organizations with purpose. I'm beyond thrilled to have Ignacio Mano in our midst, the mighty change maker and co-founder of IK Boost, and a mover and shaker in the world of diversity, inclusion, and transformation. Ignacia's passion for creating safe and inclusive environments stems from a belief that everyone should feel valued and respected, regardless of their background or identity. Only then can talent thrive to its fullest, shine bright, bring different perspectives, problem-solving, well-being, happy employees, and eventually high-performing employees. Ignacia is a firm believer in the power of diversity and inclusion, and she champions a human-centric approach to business, paving the way for organizations to thrive through innovation, collaboration, and mutual gain. Welcome, Inesha. Thank you. Thank you for your nice introduction. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for being my guest. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. And um, yeah, so, you know, you and I have known each other for quite some time. And, uh, and you know, I we both discovered each other through social media. and you know, I, like I said, I want to have you as my guest for quite some time. And, you know, I was, I've been going through your, you know, through your career and stuff, seeing what you post and, and whatnot. And, you know, I know you are a champion of psychological safety, which we'll get into uh, throughout the, throughout the webcast. But um, as a icebreaker, if you will, I want people to understand who you are, right? Um, you know, your self-introduction. I gave us a brief introduction of who you the are, business one. <laughs> right? Now yes. we'll get into who is Ignacia. Share a glimpse of your, of who you are, your journey, and what led you to where you are today in the last few decades of your career. Now, first of all, thank you for inviting me in your uh, podcast. I'm really happy to be here. And what a nice question. Um, so I was thinking about this question and I was like, where did, where did I start? And yeah. um I'm from the Netherlands. I have been born and raised in Rotterdam. And we were just chatting about Rotterdam. It's really a multicultural uh, city. So I also um, am raised in an area where I was raised in, and they call it the hood, actually. So uh, I never felt different because everyone was different. And we, we respected each other. Uh, we ate uh, all each other's food. So it was like Turkish, Moroccan, uh, Dutch. It was everything mixed up. So that's my background. And when I started to work, uh, suddenly I felt in the corporate work, I was the, the person who was different. So that mm -hmm. was really a, a change. Like, okay, I'm different. Why am I different? Why? Um, so I really felt that I'm different. And I really worked as an internal auditor. So uh, in the Netherlands at that time, about 16 years ago, it was mainly men dominated. So there I was like uh, brown skin, a female and uh, yeah, asking all those different questions and difficult mm -hmm. questions to directors and C-level. And they were like, okay, who are you? Uh, what's your education? So I really felt they were treating me differently. And mm -hmm. uh, I really loved my job. So I started to do my job and started to have the conversation. People respected me because they saw, okay, she is also clever enough to uh, have this, to do this audit. And during my career, I felt like, oh, no, I'm not the only one. Uh, because when I had cultural audit or uh, soft control audit, I really saw people struggling being themselves. And there was a lot of potential in people. 
but the potential wasn't coming above the ice iceberg. And I was wondering, why is that? So I, I really wanted to tag in that and discover what is it that people don't thrive. Uh, so that's the actually my passion. Um, and uh, about four years ago, I was like, okay, I can be an internal auditor and say like, okay, this, these are the root causes, but I run, really want to make the difference. I want to give uh, sound and voice to those who find it difficult to mm-hmm. go and get the, get on stage and to yeah make them f- voice louder etc mm-hmm. so that's my passion so that's a little bit because of uh, my background where I grew up where everyone was like different but still the same and then coming into a corporate uh, environment and feeling different so mm-hmm. i really want to make the change that people feel welcome yeah and no that that's something that's pretty important especially in you know in the work that we do because we want to create a sense of belonging uh, within our within our organizations, right? And you know, like I said, you know, create that psychological safety uh, for people to feel comfortable to talk about who they really are, and and you know, but also too. So speaking of that moment of who you are, if I were to come to you in Rotterdam and say, Ignacia. What is something that I don't know about you that people that I should know or other people should know about you that makes you unique? What makes you different? What people don't know about you normally? Well, this, there's something that I didn't know about myself uh, yeah. like one year ago. Uh, so I uh, did a DNA test because mm-hmm. I was really curious about my, my roots. Yeah. And uh, as you know, I'm really a DNI person, so I'm really into um, minority people and giving them a voice. But it was quite shocking for me uh, to discover that um, not only am I have a background with um, slavery, so my mm. grandparents and great great grandparents uh, have a slavery uh, background, but also um, uh, the, the slaveholders. So mm-hmm. it was really shocking for me, like, okay, so um, I'm both. Yeah. And that's something that you cannot see if you look at me like, oh, okay, she might be something uh, Asian or she might be something from Suriname, mm-hmm. but you cannot see it. And uh, that was really uh, something for me like, okay, I am both and I have to accept that, respect that, uh, acknowledge that. And really, uh, that's, this is something that I can make a difference on because when people mm-hmm. see me, they will see something. And yeah. I can tell them like, well, don't judge the book by its cover. Yeah, yeah. So that's something that not, not a lot of people know about me now. They know because of this, <laughs> but <laughs> that, that's something that I really discovered about myself uh, and accepting that, and also understanding the other side. Yeah, and that's a conversation that I constantly have with a lot of people because myself, I'm also, uh, I'm also biracial. I have, you know, I not only have indigenous roots. Uh, within the Caribbean, but as well as given the fact that, uh, you know, I had, there's some lineage towards, uh, you know, the slaveholders, but as well as the fact that I have, uh, you know, European descent, not only through there, but also through my father. So, so, you know, these are things that, uh, that we come to grips with. And then, you know, there's always that backlash of, you know, oh, you're not, you don't understand what we go through and whatnot. But like you said, we fully understand what you go through. We may have a different perspective, but yeah. this is how we approach it. And we see both sides of, 
of how to approach any situation, especially in in EDI work. So, no, it was great to hear that to you know to know that you and I have similarities in that respect, which is you know good to hear. And and you know, and this is the work that we love to do and and whatnot. So, getting into the people centric or human centric focus of organizations, the the general topic of our conversation today. Um, give the audience or myself as well uh, a sense of what do you feel that is an important rock solid sense of purpose to make any business or any organization truly people focused what is what does that look like to you so uh, actually if you like dive in into uh, corporate companies or even uh, if you go to uh, the more governance related companies you will always see that they have like great lines and efficiencies about how they are human focused and that they are more people driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's quite easy uh, to write it down and uh, to uh, publish it. But if you are really people focused um, as a company or, or organization, how can you see that? So how is it visible? You can say it, but how is it uh, embedded in your processes? How is it embedded in uh, all the um the journeys that you have how do people do do they really feel welcome so if you are a people driven organization or you you claim to be a people organization um actually if i walk into your building building i should already feel it so it's not only uh, write it down but it's a feeling when people just enter it uh for example um i might have a handicap and if i enter your building and it's really Mm -hmm. difficult for me to enter the building yeah i'm sorry but you're not people orientated because you're focusing on a little group and you're forgetting uh, minority groups as well. So if you really want to have, want to be a people organization, it's not only about the, the, the structure, it's not only about the processes, it's not only about the behavior, but it's also about what do I see? Um, is it accessible? So I think uh, it should be uh, in all of the things that you do as an organization, also the way how you approach people on social media, what's your social mm-hmm. identity as a company as well? Um, so I think if you really are people driven, you should also s- uh, focus on the different life cycles that uh, employees go through. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, if I have a sick daughter, how are the regulations within the company? Uh, for example, if I lose someone who's dear to me, um, if I'm pregnant, all those things for me are things that can really provide something and can really show that you are people driven and that you are having yeah. people driven purpose as well. And, you know, it, it, you know, as you talked about social identity, um, you know, and, sh- you know, where we have, where we've had organizations who just drop, uh, you know, drop certain uh, certain things like remember the back in the day when they had the black box um, for you know to uh, to promote during that whole during the Grammy period in terms of the music industry, or mm-hmm. you have um, you know recently with the Bud Light and transgender and whatnot, but yet easily on a snap of a finger they would just reverse everything, right? Not with the black yeah. box so much. There was some backlash then, but also you know with with Bud Light and whatnot. So. You know, I, I'm just thinking to myself, first of all, you know, what would you, you know, what would you say that when it comes to action, 
do you have any thoughts on closing that gap and actually for these types of organizations, regardless of nonprofit business, uh, pub, uh, public or private sector, if you will, um, in terms of closing that gap, what do you think? What do you think should happen there? I think uh, first of all, put your money where your mouth is, um, yeah. and I think that's one of the most important things. And if you want to close that gap, um, you should really. Uh, include people as well so not only uh, like that you give an assignment to the marketing uh, department but also have conversations with people within your company because they Mm -hmm. are uh, actually a vision of what's outside of the company but also invite uh, customers or potential customers and um, just have a conversation about it and just have a more inclusive decision Mm -hmm. making on how you put uh, messages outside of the world And also one thing that I really think is important is that um, show your vulnerability as a company as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you make mistakes, because people make mistakes, companies make mistakes as well. Just show your vulnerability and say, okay, we messed up. Uh, This was not our uh, attention to do this. But if you Mm -hmm. can show vulnerability, that it's also something that you are being a social person partner that you that you are someone who can learn you can make mistakes and i think if you can reflect that uh and that if people can see that it's yeah. more um yeah how you say it authentic um yeah. so so put your money where your mouth is it's okay to make mistakes uh not all mistakes of course but if you make mistakes just say yes we made the mistake please help us to uh, mm-hmm. make it better how can we do it better so it's being open it's being transparent. Mm-hmm. It's being also open, like, okay, we're not there yet. Um, I think that's one of the first steps that companies should, should really uh, dare. So it's not only yeah. care on paper, but also dare. Dare to say that you're not there yet. Dare to say that you need help. Mm-hmm. Dare to say that you're in the journey as well. No, that is that is so true. Because, you know, when you think about it from the perspective of, of having a, a mission, having a, a vision for an organization, but yet we don't, people don't understand, you know, how does their, how does their own personal mission and vision uh, align to the organization, but as well as having their sense of purpose within an organization? Because a lot of people, you know, especially earlier in their careers, they, they're still trying to define themselves. They're still trying to figure out, okay, is this the right uh, organization I should be in? Is this the right career path I am? And, and as we, as we progress in our, in our careers, we start to define ourselves by a purpose, right? And we yeah. decided, and, you know, one of the things you had mentioned about again is, you know, being socially driven. And so let's take it from the leaders of the organization and throughout the organization to just a, you know, entry, entry level staff. So, um, Let's start with the leaders, like I said, you know, how can they create that sense of, of, of a purpose uh, through their culture? Well, I think uh, leaders have a crucial role in uh, making an environment or uh, providing psychological safe uh, mm-hmm. uh, measurements within the team. So I think they really have a, a, a really important role as well, but that's not... Uh, only the leader it's also the team members and the Mm -hmm. individual also in the company so as a leader you should um, create um, a sense of belonging Uh, you should um, uh, actually how you say it you should really stand out like these are our company's value values i believe in them 
you have like tone at the top, uh, you really show that you are living through those values as well. If you are a leader and you don't show those values, people within your team will not believe it. And they will say like, okay, you say mm -hmm. this, but you act like this, this, so that will not um, be relatable for yeah. them as well. So I think really you have to uh, lead by example, first of all. Uh, as a leader, you also have to be vulnerable and reflective. Uh, you have to ask feedback. Mm -hmm. You have to be vulnerable to ask feedback and uh, make sure that people uh, feel safe enough to give feedback. Yeah. It's about uh, when they make mistakes. Are you open enough to learn from those mistakes? Uh, is, do people want to speak up? If they don't want to speak, speak up, do you really want to engage? So the leader can really have an important role in this as well. But mm -hmm. also, I think the teacher, uh, the, the leader is also a teacher. So we can really uh, coach and facilitate how other team leaders uh, can speak up. Uh, he can help. Um, he can make people more responsible as well for uh, creating this safe uh, and inclusive environment. And uh, be aware, if, if you want to work on a safe environment and you will just start, it will be really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, people will say things and they will not have like those skills yet to say it in a more connective way. Mm -hmm. So uh, at first you will have like a peak and people will be mad at each other and they will say, oh, you, you don't talk like me like that. So you have to <laughs> facilitate it as a leader as yeah. well. So you yeah, yeah, prepare yeah. yourself. <laughs> so working on it means also being prepared to feel the uncomfortable setting as well. Yeah. And I know that, um, you know, from our conversations in the past and seeing seeing where you stand, especially when it comes to psychological safety, this is your you know as we call this is your jam. This is something that you that you uh, that you take pride on. It's right? So important, uh, yes, it's so important. And this is where I'm going to get that passion out of you because this is something that <laughs> that we want to talk about. Because you know, human centric organizations, you really need to have, like you mentioned, that psychological safety. So, um, you know, and we. But a lot of people don't really understand it or, you know, just um, I believe it was earlier this year, uh, Harvard Business Review had posted an article uh, mentioning that there, you know, you what does it mean to have too much psychological safety? And I've 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 seen that come around. I mean, yes, we you know, I had an earlier uh, earlier conversation uh, last last season about psychological safety. Actually, sorry, it was this season. My bad. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then of course, Amy Edmondson's book on psychological safety in the workplace and how to create that. But then, like I said, then there's, there are people who come out and talk about the fact that, uh, that there's too much psychological safety. Now, is there, you know, when we're trying to build purpose driven organizations or, and human centric organizations, even more so, mm -hmm. is there really such a thing as too much psychological safety or is there a certain balance that you can have in terms of that that's something i'm curious about hmm. uh, interesting point of view I, I think um we call it psychological safety but actually psychological safety should be like something that's uh integrated in your daily work yeah uh and it should be integrated as uh, you as a person as well and psychological safety uh, also replies on uh, your friendships Mm -hmm. uh, but also uh, at home for your family, uh, yeah. you have like actually the same same situation. So I think that psychological safety is something that 
we as human always, uh, we really want to have a sense of a belonging. We really mm -hmm. want to be inclusive. So that's our human part as well. So having too much psychological safety, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's if, if ever enough that when people don't feel good, uh, when you have a, a feedback on a product or on, on a project, mm -hmm. um, can it be too much to share your feedback? Uh, yeah. Of course, I think you can have feedback and then you can, some people say, well, it will slow down the decision-making process yeah. as well. So that's the other side of it. But if you have like, uh, that's why I also believe in structure not yeah. only culture, but also structure. If you decide like, okay, this is our structure, we will take this this much time to guide and uh, provide all the feedback that we need, say yes or no, and then we go. So you can also structure it that you won't lo lose a lot of time. So I think, um, yes, you can balance it as well. Um, yes, uh, if you have constantly feedback, feedback, feedback without rules, yeah. because if you don't have rules, of course you get stuck. So I think all those elements of psychological safety, the giving feedback, learning from each other, being open, being inclusive, they should all be in a good balance. If you have too much of feedback and you mm -hmm. don't have like, we want to deliver, we want to have a positive impact, uh, impact, then of course it will be off balance. So I think I really believe that everything should be in balance and uh, yeah. you should reflect as a team, is it in balance or yes or no? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something that we that we try to strive on is how do you get that right balance in terms of, you know, what does the company's mission or what is their purpose in in their organization versus uh, not even versus, but how to integrate people in terms of their in terms of their work. And that's something that we that we seem to forget is that it's a two way street. You know, we talk so much about it in, in, in relationship building, right? And you, you know, you've done that relationship building in your work um, through your, you know, through your events, through your um, consultations and whatnot. And that's something that we need to bring into the organizations to fully understand who they are and, and being, like you said, being authentic, right? And I think that's critical yeah. in that, in that conversation. And also as, um, you know, when we have like, okay, this is our purpose and uh, we write it down. Yeah. But what do we really mean? Yeah. What kind of behavior do we expect from our employees? What kind of behavior do we expect from our leaders? If you're not clear on that, uh, then you cannot have response. You cannot take responsibility mm -hmm. to say, for example, oh, we really want to be uh, an outspoken company. Okay. So what's outspoken? Uh, can we just say everything that we like without having respect norms? What is it? So you really have to be concrete on what's the purpose. Uh, how do we want to see it? Uh, what's the behavior? How do we assess it as well? And if people don't uh, met up, uh, meet up with those um, requirements, how will how do we have the conversation about it? Um, mm -hmm. Will we sanction or will we have a conversation? So you have to really be clear also in your processes and systems as well. It should be really aligned with each other. Yeah. And so even even going back to the leadership aspect, um, what I'm what I'm what I'm hearing and seeing is that there's not a lot of people out there who are trained or knowledgeable of this work. Um, you know, managers, you know, we're reading that managers are burnt out. They're not really ready to be managers. Leaders are not fully aware of psychological safety. So you know, in your experience, what does it take for someone to be even knowledgeable of it? I mean, you can read books, you can listen to podcasts, um, you can have, 
empathy and whatnot. But is there a, a, a secret recipe, if you will, in your opinion, when it comes to that, that commonality with, with, uh, with psychological safety, if you will? Well, I really believe that uh, you, as a leader, you need uh, daring leadership. So yeah. I think the, a lot of organizations are filled with people with daring leadership. Mm-hmm. But the, you have to come to the understanding that caring leadership is um, uh, as, is as important as well. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Uh, I think there's also uh, something for an organization to really put down that we need caring leadership. But we also need daring leadership. Mm-hmm. And what do we expect from you as a leader? I yeah. think uh, if you look at uh, some people, they have this naturally. So, uh, for example, for me, I, I'm really, first of all, I'm a more caring leader. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I don't need a lot more daring training. So mm-hmm. be specific and uh, reflect and assess on what is it that a leader prefers. So if you have that insight, you can teach onboard your leaders to learn and to have to close that gap from yeah. your your preferred way of uh, leading. Um, so that's actually a responsibility of the company. Yeah, that's first of all the responsibility of the company to make sure what what are the uh, the lines that what what do we expect from you uh, to give them training and to give them uh, to train the skills as well. But you as a leader, uh, you're a human being. Yeah. Uh, you should be curious. Um, if you want to be a leader, you know you are working with people as well. Uh, so how can you balance that? So you have to have the, the learning agility as mm-hmm. well. As, as I think that's one of the most important skills. Do you want to learn? Do yeah. you want to change? Do you want to inspire people as well? So you have to be um, quite honest and mm-hmm. have self-reflection as well. And sometimes that's hard. So a company can help you do that. And sometimes you can just have the conclusion that you're not fit uh, to um, lead a team. Yeah. And sometimes you will need a team to be more daring than you mm-hmm. can put a daring leader more there. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's context-dependable. Um, so you have to yeah. look at the context. But I think there's a great responsibility for the company uh, to, to, to step up, be be be, be uh clear about it be visible about it also measure it as well so when you have a leader a new leader you cannot say like okay good luck <laughs> no you have that's that's not the way it works yeah, you have exactly. to give him skills yeah you have no. to give him skills insights yeah definitely and that's you know you've you've raised a um you know a good point about daring leadership um you know there's a lot of nuggets in what you've just said daring leadership um, you know, I can, I can reference and, and talk about Brene Brown, uh, with her book, Dare to Lead. Um, that's a perfect example. I know I've had a conversation with someone in a previous episode too, about the negative side of that, of that daring leadership, especially from a racial perspective. But, um, let's look at it from the perspective of the, you know, of the leader as a whole, which you've, which you've rightly alluded to in the sense of, you know, how do you have that? that agility that and and one of the things that i pride so much on especially when we talk so much about uh inclusive leadership one of the things that especially in this like you have uh, you know multicultural you live in a multicultural city because of that you're going to have a multicultural organization so one of the things that i pride upon is you know intercultural development and and a leader having cultural intelligence and that's and that's something that a lot of leaders do not have and how and cultural intelligence and psychological safety go hand in hand. In in my yeah, opinion, I, I I'm pretty sure you feel the same way, because if we you know because of the fact that we are not only 
you know, like I said, multicultural, but we're also living in a very globalized world that, you know, that difference of opinions are going to be there. It's, you know, there's some contention with the way the world is, but also how do leaders actually respond to that and be agile uh, and, and, and flexible and really understand what does it say about, about them, right? Exactly. Yes, being curious. I think that's yeah. one of them. If I, th I talk, uh, think about skill, just being curious and dare yeah. to ask questions yeah. um, and really listen to the answers. That's, yeah. that's the last part. If, if you just are curious enough, if you dare to ask questions, um, I think that's that's a good beginning for every leader just to hold up on your own um, biases, uh, on your own perspective, but just be open and be curious and ask questions. I think if you start with that, um, then you will uh, open up a whole world and, and learn a lot from your uh, team members. Yeah. And so... So I, we, we've talked a lot uh, today about, you know, about human-centric organizations and living with purpose, leaders, uh, you know, leaders having agility and all that. So there's a lot to unpack and yes. leaders, you know, and it's, and it's funny because, you know, leaders really, or organizational leaders, if you will, they, you know, they have a lot on the go. They have to live the, live the, the, um, the mission and purpose of the organization, like we said, but they also have to really take care of their, um, take care of their employees so that they retain them. And because we know at the end of the day, there is a cost if you lose people within the organization, right? It has nothing to do with, I mean, partially has to do with, you know, the fact that yes, we're in economic time, a, a downturn right now uh, and, and whatnot, but also at the same time, People leave their jobs because they don't have the psychological safety that's there. That I think is the most important thing. If 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 someone cannot be authentic within their organization, and if you're not meeting them halfway, you're going to lose them, right? And that's yeah, not something quit. you want to do. Yeah, they will exactly. quit or will be silent quitting. That's even worse. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and definitely, and that's something that we need to start thinking about as as you know as leaders or even even so much as as uh, EDI professionals, right? Because we do this work, right? And I think, yes. yeah. And one thing I really want to add is because you triggered me is um, I think that we as DNI professionals or people who are leading DNI, we should really work together with other uh, disciplines and departments as well. Because mm -hmm. um, as you uh, rightfully said, like the leader uh, has a lot of things going on. And then, for example, the DNI manager comes. Well, I want this and this and this. Then the uh, healthy and safety department comes. I want this, this and this, this. Mm -hmm. Then the well-being company comes. I expect you to do this, this and this. So I think it would be really helpful if uh, those disciplines and they are really related to each other. Yeah, they are really related to each other. That they um, are having a more of a holistic approach of what mm -hmm. they expect from their leaders. So it's not that like every day someone else comes with a list of uh, requirements, but they have like one set of a re requirement who helps all those disciplines and all those teams as well. So I think that would be really helpful for organizations um, not to uh, do it as like solistic, but more holistic and yeah. um like a one one way approach, and so of course you have accents, and some some things will be different. But if mm -hmm. you have like a good basic, yeah, um, I don't care if they call it DNI, but if they work on psychological safety and it's in like a well being part of it, and they take take that part, it's okay because it's covered. 
so, so that's something I really want to uh, enlighten. Like, please work together and um, yeah. yeah, make each other successful, actually. Yeah, and that's, you know, you've raised a good point now thinking about this conversation. I've had this had this talk with a few guests and just, you know, just people, my friends and colleagues in, in, in the profession and whatnot. And, you know, we talk so much about, you know, crossing paths and, and interdisciplinary work and whatnot. So in your, you know, in your opinion or your experience and using your experience, we talk so much about DNI, EDI, EDIB, however you want to call it, um, you know, being siloed and being its own or part of the organization, some of it put into HR. And, you know, and, and I keep on asking this question because I want to hear other people what they think about this, especially coming from someone who prides themselves on driving and building human-centric organizations by way of healthy, uh, you know, healthy, uh, healthy cultures and, you know, having a sense of, uh, uh, you know, well-being, mental health, all of that. So given all of that and given the fact that we need to look at each other from an interdisciplinary aspect, you, do you really think that there should be a a collaborative effort or is there is that something that we need to still continue putting into silos, but everyone comes together to to say that hey we're helping the leader we're helping the organization etc so i'm just curious to hear your your thoughts on that well it actually depends on on the organization and how mm -hmm. it's structured uh for example if you have like an, a company with uh, 11 countries uh, i think yeah. it's a, a bit more uh, complex but um i think that every company uh, should have like a basic and they are interconnected with with each other all those disciplines health mm -hmm. well-being uh, DNI work, but also HR work. Um, and if you can find uh, a way of working that you have like a, a basic mm -hmm. and that you have like a good understanding with each other and like say, okay, we want to introduce this, this, okay, then we can help and maybe we can uh, implement it in our leadership program. Oh, okay, great. Well, we have a well-being program as well. And if we take that part, then we can uh, enlighten that as well. So uh, I think it depends on, on the uh, on how the organization is structured, mm -hmm, but I, mm -hmm. I really, really believe that there's always a basic because all of those disciplines really want to work on healthy, inclusive, and successful employees. I think exactly. that's all the purpose of all those uh, departments as well. So uh, it depends, but I think yeah. there should definitely be an integrated vision about it. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. It should be about collaboration and uh, and in, like you said, integration of of all of the disciplines, so that uh, a successful organization comes to be. So, I want to conclude by you know by asking you if there's one thing that you've learned in your career, um, you know, whether it's psychological safety or driving human centric organizations, etc. You know. What would what would your wish be in order to make that happen? Um, well, one thing that I've learned, and it makes it uh, really uh, logical and really small, mm -hmm. everyone can make a change. Everyone mm -hmm. can make a movement. And sometimes you will be surprised that something that you have said or done and then uh, along the way, it will pop up and you're like, oh, I didn't know that I have affected uh, someone in a positive yeah. way. So I really think that if we are able to inspire, to move an individual, 
and the individual will move other people as well. It will be like a snowball effect. So that was something yeah. that, that really came into my mind. Like we can all be the change. And if we realize that, so if we as a company or organization really starts to nudge on that, you can be the change in your team. You can make the change, but if you make it really big and like, yeah, we want to really be a really an organization with inclusionists and we yeah. really want to be people driven, people down will think like, well, what's my impact on that? Well, yes, you have an impact and yeah. just make it small. Sometimes yeah. the beauty is in making things small, little steps. And um, as a DNI professional, and I'm sure that you can recognize that sometimes it feels like, oh, there's no, there's no movement. Mm -hmm. But there's always movement. Yeah. And sometimes we're just too busy not seeing it and not noticing it. Um, but there, there is movement. So I think really think that don't underestimate the movement in the individual. Yeah. And sometimes you just inspire and, and light those little lights and that will be a bigger light. And then you will be surprised as well. So it, it really asks something about patience. Mm -hmm. You have to be mm -hmm. resilient in this job. Yeah. Um, but movement is everywhere. Yeah, no, and great points. And you've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head when it comes to when it comes to this work. And you know, your experience, uh, you know, is is very prevalent uh, in, in what we've discussed today. And I, I really appreciate uh, your candor uh, with this with this uh, conversation mm -hmm. and how do we build purpose driven organizations, if you will, or, or people centric organizations as, as well, you know, we can call it whatever we want. At the end of the day, we're looking at being humans. And so, yes. Ignacio, with that, I want to thank you for being a guest today. And uh, I just want to conclude by, you know, asking one of those other random questions, making a little fun Shit. at the end of the day. So Shit. if, if <laughs> exactly. So, you know, thinking about your life as a whole, you've, you've, you've delved into it a little bit, especially with your discovery. What would that title be if you were to write a book on your life and why? Um, I think being comfortable of being me. Yeah. I think that would be a, a great title for the book because, mm -hmm. um, I think every one of us uh, will have, go, will go through a journey mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that we have, that we come to learn, be comfortable being you and it's okay to be you and that you will discover a lot of things yeah. and you will learn a lot of things. Uh, so that will be, that, that my, my book will be about discovering and being uncomfortable and actually being comfortable being me with all those um, slavery backgrounds, color skin, uh, all those uh, not fun part of me because we all have a, a parts that are not fun. Um, and it's okay. And that, that you can really make an impact just to be you. Definitely. And, and that, was, that was great to hear. And, and if that book ever comes out, I want to read it. So definitely, definitely. So thank I you again. One salary. <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. So uh, thank you, Ignacia, for this. I really appreciate uh, our talk today and finally getting this, uh, getting our conversation going. And, uh, and yeah, so, so with that, um, where can people find you? I think the most easy way is to find me on LinkedIn because mm -hmm. I'm posting a lot more. So that was also something that I need to be comfortable with. Because I'm like, yeah. okay, if I want to be a voice, 
I have to stand up and uh, really uh, lead by example as well. So you can find me on LinkedIn. If you just uh, type Ignacia Manu, you will find me. Um, I will try to write more in English so people can uh, follow it. But also LinkedIn has um, translate, so you can translate uh, all my messages as well. So that's the reason that you have found me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I found you because uh, because of the fact that, yes, you did write in English. Okay, that's one thing. But also at the same time, I make a conscious effort to to start learning other people's languages, especially, you know, like I, you know, like I said at the outset before we we talked, is you know I seem to have this connection with people in the Netherlands. <laughs> Ever since I visited the Netherlands, and it's almost it's it's what are we now? Uh, almost uh, almost. Uh, so there's a little now? bit of connection months. there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So there is a learning connection there. So my so my uh, uh, my Duolingo is is is. I haven't really started yet, time. but my Dutch is going to be there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So It's a hard language to learn. So if you want to practice, you know uh, where to find me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm going to call you up and say, okay, Ignatia, just, let's just do it. Let's just have the so conversations. So let's close the, the meeting in Dutch then. Let okay, me say, so how do you want to say? Let me say, tot ziens. Tot ziens. <laughs> there you go. Great pronunciation. It means... <laughs> Till the next time. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, now I learned something. I'm going to have to go back to the other people and say, why did you do this? With that, that, that you did. But anyway, <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. Thank you, Natia, Thank for you this. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, until next time, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this episode and other episodes within, uh, within the Global Conversation webcast on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks again, and see you soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.